Oh, right. Let's not mention the weather. Right. <laughs> let's not moan about it. <laughs> it's not in here. In episode 122, we're having a good old sniff and a taste of some fannies. Bay, single malt Tasmanian whiskey. And we talk to author and blogger Jamie Ryder. We have a good chat about all things pop culture, Japan and whiskey. And why not head over to our social media accounts for some pictures and stuff at Whiskey and Things Podcast on Instagram and at Whiskey and Things on Facebook and Twitter. And while we're talking about Fanny's Bay, let us know your favourite bay by getting in contact. Maybe it's James Bay. Maybe it's San Francisco Bay. Let us know. What are your thoughts on your favourite bays? Maybe it's Salt Bay. Maybe. Turtle Bay. Turtle (laughs) Bay. You're listening to Whiskey and Things with Nick Kent and Dave Giles. Welcome to episode 122. I'm Dave Giles. And I'm still Nick Kent. Just about. Just about. <laughs> How are you, David? Well, after what you told me before we came on air, I am very surprised you are still Nick Kent. I'm surprised you're not dead, mate. Yeah, it was fine. Say. It was fine. I went for a jog yesterday, everyone, in 31-degree yeah. heat. Um, and I told Dave that it didn't look that hot. So that's why I went out. And Despite I all the warnings. Like <laughs> Despite all the warnings. Yeah, he was like, nah, nah it's all right. I'll go for a run. I'm well, allowed. <laughs> it's the first time I had to actually stop and buy some water halfway through, or like at 7k. Um, usually I can power through. But no, it was, it was fine. It was just a bit a bit toasty. It was fine. Um, packed show today, everyone. Oh, yeah. It, it's quite an international feel to it as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we've got the Tasmanian whiskey. We're going to be uh, oh, yeah. tasting a bit later on. And um, we have Jamie Ryder on. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, we just finished talking to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie is an author. He writes for several different publications that, well, he started and does all kinds of stuff. He's a comic book fan. He, he writes uh, Yamato magazine. Yamato is a kind of Japanese culture publication online. Drink to That, which is his kind of drinks newsletter, where he also talks about superheroes and stuff, which we'll get on to later on. Really interesting. Um, good fun. Really good yeah, fun. Yeah, he's also a sake sommelier. That's not a sarcastic Somalia, as in yeah. sarcastic. Do you know the what? Drink. We didn't bring that up. We didn't talk about that, but that's actually really cool, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it that's is. that's you know we were having such a good time with the conversation. We didn't talk about that, which is actually really cool. Yeah. Uh, so yes, if you're listening back, Jamie, that's really cool. We're yeah. sorry we didn't. Dave, sorry. Up. I am sorry. <laughs> I would like to have known more. Next time, anyway. Yes. Nick, why don't we roll the tape? Okay. Jamie, welcome to Whiskey and Things. How are you today? I'm very good. Thank you for having me on. I'm really excited to dive into whiskey conversations and to see where it takes us, really, because I think that is the beauty of whiskey generally. You might start with any kind of drink and you just dovetail off into lots of random subjects, don't you? Absolutely. 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 um, uh, Talking of that, let's start with your whiskey origin story. What got you started in the world of whiskey? Yeah. So essentially, I don't really have a unique whiskey story. There was never one night where I was like, oh, whiskey has changed my life. It's more (laughs) of a gradual build up. So the context living in Manchester, there's a great access to lots of different places whiskey wise. You've got places like 
Britain's Protection and the Whiskey Jar, where I frequented quite a bit. As and have I. Mm. Going with friends, you know, again and again, it was like, oh, Jamie, are you a whiskey fan? And like, not at the moment, but I'll get around to trying it. And just purely through keeping an open mind, I was introduced to, you know, a few scotches, a few bourbons that really sort of calibrated with my palate. I'm a sweet drinker. I'm quite open to loads of different drinks anyway. And it then just clicked really because I realized so much variety and the amount of depth that there is to the category was amazing and you know what i like about this podcast it's like it's just an endless rabbit hole that you can dive down and once i got down that rabbit hole i never kind of dug myself out of it still digging (laughs) (laughs) know that feeling so tell us about what whiskies are you into i mean you're into your japanese culture etc we're going to be talking about that in a bit um any japanese whiskies you particularly love or you said you're into your scotches but uh what are you into yeah, so it was the scotch and the bourbon and the Japanese whiskey that really changed my mind about a lot of things. Coming from that Japanese culture background, for my interests, I thought, you know, Japanese whiskey seemed to be like this really new thing at the time, or it was becoming popular. And just picking up some Suntory Hibiki Harmony was sort of the game changer. The, the way it sort of worked on my palate just really sold it to me and then just looking at other categories with uh, Nika as well I, I like trying as many different varieties as possible with scotch again I'm not kind of beholden to any particular sort of brand it's just you know going through different drinks that I can learn something new or the story might catch my eye it's like I'll try anything once and if I can say right this is good or this is bad regardless you know at least I've ticked it off my list yeah <laughs> The ongoing whiskey list that can never be completed. Whiskey can't be completed, can it? <laughs> Absolutely can not. We are trying our hardest. Yeah, we That's have it. tried quite hard, but yeah, it's, it's, we know. I mean, we, yeah, we probably had less than 0.01% of all different varieties of whiskey. It's crazy, isn't it? And yeah, somehow we have a podcast about it. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. It, it, it reminds me of the, well, you know, this British people in between us, that classic thing of Jay, oh, complete it, mate. Have you completed the whiskey list? No, <laughs> we'll never complete it, mate. It's yeah, endless. Absolutely. So um, Nick mentioned this, uh, you love Japanese culture. So tell us about that. And obviously you write for Yamato magazine. Have I pronounced that correct? That is correct. Yes. So, so that is tell us about how that's, that got started and, and what you do there. Yes. So I mentioned Japanese whiskey was one of the gateways into the wider category, but going a bit further back than that, as a kid, I love pop culture, comics and anime. So I grew up with an interest in Japanese culture. I've still never been, but I will go on one day. That's a bucket list thing. I thought if I can't go to Japan yet, I can at least bring it to me. So I created Yamato magazine to celebrate the culture, mythology, history, drinks. Japanese whiskey is a big part of that. But equally, I like to talk about Japanese drinks in general, whether that's sake, shochu, aramori, which are the particular quite niche categories. But with whiskey in general, what I love is the fact that that opened me up to try and drink some all over the world and to be able to talk about that and make it more accessible to people who might not necessarily know much about it is really fun for me. And that led on to Drink to That, which is a wider newsletter where I 
write stories or interview people in the industry from all over the world. It can be whiskey, Japanese drinks, gin, rum, mead. It's just putting the spotlight on these people who are doing amazing things in the industry and try to get that out to a wider audience as well. Nick, have you ever had mead? Mead? Mead, no. yeah. No. Mm. It's like a honey drink. It's like a medieval liquor, basically. You've told uh, you me about pi- this. So you, you can, can pick it up yeah. at various castles and things like that. And th- They were selling it the other day in the gift shop at St. Paul's Cathedral, of all places. Uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, I think Was that right? Must have been right. Oh, no, no, it was at Shakespeare's Globe. That was where I was. That makes more sense. That makes uh, more sense. Yeah, I was going to say, I can't imagine them selling stuff at St. Paul's. Been in too many gift shops recently. Anyway, yeah, it was Shakespeare's Globe. Uh, yeah, and I was like, ah, oh, might get a bowl, but yeah, I don't need any more spirits right now, so I didn't. Yeah, we've, been, we've talked about mead before. I think you've told we me have. about mead before. Yes. Yeah. One day, one day. One but, day, uh, yeah. 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 We need to go to a medieval banquet and have some mead with a big... <laughs> <laughs> leg of chicken in one hand and a cup of mead in the other. Yeah, it's that like kind tur- of vibe. turkey drumstick. Yeah. <laughs> turkey, we could do, do it cheaply with turkey dinosaurs, mate. Yeah. Or turkey twizzlers. <laughs> yeah. I've had one of those big turkey drumsticks. They take forever to eat. They take forever. Oh, the old American turkey drumstick, the massive ones you get at the fun fairs over there. Yeah. Yeah. It was in yeah. America. Oh, mate. It took a while. It took a while. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So just picking up on what you just said there then and trying to tie a few things together. Obvious, the obvious thing that kind of, as soon as Japan, whiskey, pop culture comes into my head, I just think of Bill Murray and Lost in Translation. That, that It's kind of like the ultimate convergence of Japan and whiskey in my head. <laughs> but that's probably because that's where I come into it. it how, how big is whiskey in Japanese culture? Obviously, we know about Japanese whiskey. It's very good. But how much is it within their culture and within pop culture over there? Yeah, that's a great question. And this is something I'm still diving into on my whiskey journey. But yeah, so certainly Japanese whiskey has its place in pop culture. And from my standpoint, I look at it from the wider sense of comics because that's how I, it makes sense to me through what I do especially because it's still quite a growing industry. What I like to do in Drink to That, for example, is I've created this particular concept called the pop culture pub crawl, where I essentially match whiskey or other drinks to superheroes and to imagine nice. what they drink. But it's very, very um, niche and very specific because I think it's very easy just to do it as a, a gimmicky thing where you might, oh, here's a superhero, let's just throw some like random drinks together. From my side, it's being really into that sort of perspective to say, right, what is it about this character that would make them want to have this drink? What's the story? Is it the powers? Is it something that might resonate with their personal story? And one of my favorite examples of this is uh, Wolverine because I'm a huge X-Men fan. And when I think about him, this is my purely subjective opinion. But I imagine him, he would be a big Japanese whiskey fan, bourbon Canadian as well. But because he's been around for a very long time, I think he'd be a bit of a connoisseur as well because he's, you know, he's, traveled is very well tenured but equally he can be quite basic as well he he might not want one of those nights he might just want to get trashed in tokyo somewhere and just you know have have a go at it but when i think of whiskeys that 
Logan or Wolverine would enjoy, then I think he'd be a big Suntory fan. He'd probably like Kabiki Harmony because, you know, the mellow sweetness. But, you know, he's got to represent Canada as well. So any bit of rye or Canadian club, he's got to be in there. <laughs> and Bourbon, I think he can be quite sort of, you know, at a beginner level or quite in depth. So I think he'd probably like something like Maker's Mark or he might like Pappy Van Winkle's 20 year reserve, something like that. But the point is, that's quite fun to like, share that with people and to get their opinions and see what they might contribute to that conversation. Another character that I quite like from DC is Black Canary. So let's look at it through that standpoint. You might look at, uh, you know, women might not necessarily be with whiskey, but I think for her, it's like quite unpretentious, quite, you know, easy drinking. So I imagine her to be something like a, a scotch or a, a bourbon drinker as well, like maybe a Glenmorangie 10 years or like a, a Four Roses, you know, quite simple, very straight down the hatch and you can still have a good time with that. But to have that wider conversation and open people up to these sort of conversations and debates, because you could take it anywhere, especially among other pop culture nerds. I've had these debates and you never know what you're going to get. So I think that's part of the fun. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of fun. Ta- yeah. take, a, take a popular culture character, decide what they might like to drink. Love that. Obviously, because there's some that, that they tell you what they like to drink, but there's so much where they don't. So you can just, Take it wherever you want. And you're right. There's so much scope within that. You're listening to Whiskey and Things with Nick Kent and Dave Giles. Nick, you got, got any thoughts on that? Anyone jump jumped to mind for you? Well, I was, look, I was doing the research before we uh, started recording and I was looking Classic, for like whiskey Nick. references and stuff in comic books and comic book movies and stuff. And one that popped up was the Jessica Jones one where she has a bit of a drinking ah. problem. And she drinks a lot of different bourbons and all that kind of stuff. But they actually had a bourbon, it wasn't, um, no, it was, it was a brand called Winston Canadian, which is actually a brand they made up, um, which is actually- Really? Appear- yeah. It, yeah. She, drink, she drank all kinds of other stuff, like Four Roses and Jim Beam and stuff. And that's the stuff which was kind of like littered around her, her office and all that kind of stuff. But this Windsor Canadian um, was actually first used by Marvel in a 1979 issue of Iron Man. <laughs> and that's where it came from. It was actually a callback. But uh, you might know more about that character than me, Jamie, the whole uh, Jessica Jones thing. No, but there you go. I, I need to do a pop culture, pop crawl version of her now. I mean, that's great. But I, I find it, well, quite fascinating that, you know, sometimes drink brands will be sort of invented purely for that show or to do something with that character. I mean, mm. I'm not sure if this is 100% accurate, but I believe uh, the Luke Cage series created its very own specific rum just to purely get oh, rid really? of the villain of a character. And that sort of, I think it was called Bushman or something to that extent. And it told them more about the backstory of the villain in that story. And I think that can be quite effective to either promote a new product or to, again, tell you something about that particular character or story that they're trying to share with that richer world. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever watched Archer? I have. I love Archer. I've got a bottle of Glen Gooley Blue here. Oh, that, that is amazing. Which Why is that's the, not in my collection, I have no idea. <laughs> which is the uh, the make-believe whiskey, which he drinks in that. It's kind of based on a, a Johnny Walker Blue, et cetera. But it's a, and Glen Fiddick. And a friend of mine actually had these labels made and stuck it on a bottle of Glen Fiddick. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so that's quite cool. So you can actually get labels made for these make-believe whiskies, which is pretty cool. So have you got anything like that of any other brands or anything? In terms of the wider pop culture, nothing comes to mind at the moment, but I do just want to touch on the fact that, you know, if anybody can create something from nothing and make it a sort of seem 
like it's a viable product and it feeds into that richer world. That's something that I do for myself within like my role as a fiction author. So a practical example of that is I really like horror fiction and the Wild West. So I created this world called The Frontier, which is essentially a mashup of Red Dead Redemption, the game, Nietzsche's The Witcher series. So (laughs) imagine like a horror world where you've got monsters, magic, mayhem going on. You've got these monsters and witch hunters there, you know, trying to survive, trying to have these like, you know, morally grey characters who are just trying to survive in this world. And writing from a very young age, I loved doing that. And last year it was quite a pleasure to bring out my first sort of full-length feature like novella called At the Dead of Dusk, which is set in this world. And the character Clay McNabb is kind of this legendary witch hunter who's at the end of his tether. He's a he's not the nicest of people in the world, should I say. He's a bit of a mean bastard, but uh, he wants to do good, essentially. But he's, you know, things have happened, but he basically gets out of his comfort zone. He goes on one last ride for this job. And along the way, he drinks a fair bit of whiskey and because that's part of his coping mechanism, but equally in the wider world of the frontier, I have created this thing called the Whiskey Syndicate, which is essentially diving deep into like different designations of whiskey within this world, but pairing them to, you know, real life examples such as Scotch, bourbon, Japanese whiskey. It's imagining how I can sort of promote the wider whiskey industry but through this very unique lens and to give it some legitimacy as well because this syndicate has its own protection rights that's there they see that as like the holy grail of uh drinks within this world so it's essentially a holy beverage and i do believe generally whiskey is a holy beverage (laughs) so it's coming from that standpoint of like you know looking at it through that lens and then there's other drinks in the world as well but that's quite a prominent addition to the Tales of the Frontier universe. Oh, wow. I, I love this. Um, so there's obviously so many directions you could go with this, but my head, as you were talking about this, was thinking about Game of Thrones, because obviously there was the Game of Thrones Scotch releases that came out a few years ago, which uh, I haven't gone down that well as, as far as I'm aware within the whiskey world. But anyway, it was a it, classic merchandising meets corporate companies. Was it a Diageo thing? It may have been. I can't remember. Anyway, I think it was. Think yeah. It was. yeah. Um, anyway, uh, that then got me thinking, but actually within the world of Game of Thrones, obviously they're in taverns quite a lot and they, I don't think they've ever, they ever mentioned whiskey. Maybe they do. I can't recall them ever mentioning whiskey, but it wouldn't have been scotch in that world, would it? It would have been <laughs> a different, you know, whiskey would have been something different because Scotland wouldn't have existed in, in that world. Oh, that's a good point. Or at least the name wouldn't. It'd be, just be called something else, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so would you have had, I don't know, a different region name for, for a whiskey uh, within a world. And I think that's, as an author, that's got to be a lot of fun that you can explore, right? Like similar to what you've just done with your, was it the Whiskey Syndicate you, you, within that's your world? Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's an amazing concept, isn't it? That within, if you're creating a world, you can also create a Scotch whiskey or a region or like a Cumberland sausage <laughs> that's unique <laughs> to, uh, to that world. Do you know what I mean? That's really <laughs> good point. Those, uh, culturally protected uh, foods and drinks that in our world that wouldn't exist, but they do exist, but they'd have mm. different names. And I love that. I mean, yeah, just going back to the fiction side, like I love world building. It's I'll always be in that fantasy and sort of wider, richer world. And, 
some people that might seem like such a throwaway thing. It's like, why would you invest the time to create a whole, you know, drinking system or like magic system around that? It's like, because I want to, and it's my yeah. world. So, yeah, I've, I've got the control to do it. And I love investing the time to that and building it out because that universe is something that I would love to grow. And I am going to grow through the years with like novellas, collections, books, and there probably will just be one collection where it's just all drinks from that world once I get around to it. Nice. nice. I mean, yeah, it's, I think it feels like it's a lost art. It's something that used to happen a lot more. I think I know there are plenty of authors out there who do it. Uh, but, I don't think as successfully as some of the older guys did, probably because they didn't have the internet. <laughs> so they had more time to create languages and all kinds of things. I'm thinking more of like Tolkien and C.S. Lewis say, and things like that. There must be a spirit in the Tolkien universe, like a whiskey-based kind of thing. I can't remember. I've read all of it. I can't remember off the top of my head. I mean, they love their beer, don't they? So Yeah, they do. It comes in pints. Yes, <laughs> the green dragon, yeah. so on and so forth. But yeah, it, it, it's... Uh, you know, when I hear someone actually taking the time to create a world, amazing. Uh, that it's because there's so much going on. It's like, I mean, I write three minute pop songs, and that's hard enough <laughs> to find the time to do that, let alone create a whole world. And often that's just based on my life. So, to, yeah, I have full respect for anyone who's even trying that. There's just so much you can do with it, isn't it? It's, it's possibilities are endless once you get started. Language, maps, Ooh, language, Ooh. maps, food, <laughs> drink. It's so, it's so much stuff, isn't there? It's not just the characters that you have to create. And oh. like music as well, like styles of music. It wouldn't be called Absolutely. Like country music or whatever. I don't know, would it? You know, Is there whiskey in Star else? Wars, Nick? No, there's blue milk. Blue milk. Um, I'm not sure about the... Uh, I don't know. There must be. Again, there must be. And they'll, they'll call it something else. I'm sure there is in Star Trek. I'm sure Picard's got a got a thing in his captain's quarters that's got a I drink. I want to Google it now. I want to find out. But, uh... <laughs> now, that would be quite a fun exercise, wouldn't it? It's like just looking at these well-known pop culture worlds and seeing if there's any drink that's like... Anal analogous to the whiskey and to see what kind of tasting notes or the backstory behind that. I'm sure there's some writers on that team who'll be like, yeah, I just want to squeeze this drink in for this reason because I like it or this brand. Whiskey! I was trying to think of different, some other superheroes and what drinks they might have. Because I said a little callback to like when Captain America tries to drink liquor and he can't get drunk anymore. So it's like, <laughs> he's going to come, he's going to be looking at it at a completely different like perspective to somebody else, isn't it? He? He's going on a full cask of a cask strength whiskey. Yeah, it won't. Be like, <laughs> to get the full flavoured profiles. Yeah, but it's going to be pure, purely on taste, isn't it? Yeah. It's not like this is this is going to blow my head off. I'm going to go out and get wasted because uh, that's not going to happen. But no, uh, that's again, that's an interesting train of thought. When you brought up Captain America, I really put you in as somebody who will be the classic person who just sits in his armchair because he's from the 1940s, right? He wants that boring <laughs> fire element. He'll have, as you said. Something tasty, not something that'll blow your head off, because that's yeah. not what it's about. Whereas when I said Wolverine, like he's got a healing factor, so it's very difficult for him to get drunk anyway. So he'd have to drink a hell of a lot more just to get that buzz if he wants it. But mm. he'd probably appreciate the taste as well, dependent on mood. Yeah, Superman got smashed once in one of them, wasn't it? He was really low. Remember, he was in that bar. I think it's one of the first product placements of whiskey as well. It's Johnny Walker surprisingly enough classic um, yeah <laughs> Johnny Walker Red on the bar and yeah Superman was getting absolutely wasted because <laughs> for whatever reason come he was uh, I don't know 
remember which one it was. Maybe three. Three was scary. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that was one of the main the first times it was in there. You could also do a great comparison between different worlds, couldn't you? I mean, obviously Iron Man and Batman are both philanthropists, rich guys who turned superhero and clearly would both drink expensive whiskeys, right? So what's the difference between a Batman whiskey and an Iron Man whiskey? Because Oh, yes. That's oh, a good yeah. point. There's, uh, there's plenty of comparisons between the two of them, but... Yeah, plenty yeah. of Tony Stark would be a, bit more, uh, be a bit more flashy, wouldn't he? I think. I think Bruce Wayne would be a bit more... Hmm. Bruce Wayne. He'd go for scotch, I reckon. He'd go for an old scotch, I think. But he'd go for one that you haven't heard of, whereas uh, Tony, <laughs> Tony Stark would go for... He probably is probably a Johnny Blue guy. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, yeah, Tony, like you said, is the Flash, but because he might think more of the prestige aspect of the whiskey, I guarantee he'd probably have like X amount of crystal tumblers just all in like a little room somewhere and just this whiskey cabinet on display somewhere. Whereas Batman might be a bit more subtle with it and just have it when he needs it and just to you know have that moment where he can just stop fighting crime. Whenever that <laughs> he did. He drank some whiskey. I swear he drank some whiskey in, in the Avengers when he was talking to Loki, and he was talking about how they were the super team and they're kind of a super team. Kind yeah, of thing. I, and, I think so as well. As he's walking we around, because yeah, because he says, "Do you want a drink?" And Loki, and then after Hulk smashes him into the ground, he's like, "How can I have that drink now?" After that's he gets, the one. Yeah. yeah. Again, that's weird. That's just thought of that scene because whiskey is used in movies to kind of it's kind of a power play a lot of the time, isn't it? When people do a big speech, they'll get out the old whiskey. It's usually a villain. It's unusual that it was Tony Stark. It's usually a villain. But they kind of go into like, oh, this is a 50-year-old Macallan or whatever, and this, that, and the other. And I'm shows that I'm considerably richer and more powerful than you. And um, I'm going to give a big speech. And it's always been used like that, isn't it? In like American movies. Actually, is it like that in Japan? Is it used the same way, whiskey, in terms of like, um, showing someone's power and authority, as it were, was it a bit different? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. That, and you know what, I, I honestly don't know, but I imagine because the culture's, you know, quite different, then it could be taken either way. Because, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know this with Japanese whiskey. There's still like a lot of regulations trying to be built around it, and I think it, it's got to a point now where it is a prestige product but there's always room to grow with it. But I, I would love to see like a, an anime character just have like a really cheap bottle of stuff and just say like, this is it because I want to drink it, not because it's got anything to do with the pricing or the expense. I think mm. I'm always behind the conversations where you can just promote the category and like share good information, really. I think getting away from uh, like legacy things and which I do believe is important too, but I'm very much of the opinion that trying to bring something new to say, whether it is through pop culture or anime or to do something a bit different is the way forward, especially when you're trying to introduce it to a younger generation of people as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think um, some, one thing needs to change is the way whiskey's used with women in movies. A lot of the time it's just used as an example that she's one of the lads and she's, you know, she can hold her own. It's always like, you know, she'll order a whiskey and she'll shoot it and everyone's like, oh my God, this, this girl is one of us or something. That's a bit bit weird. Do you see that changing at all? Or, you know, again, do you know, if, is it like that in Japan or? I'd like to see that change, certainly, because as you rightly pointed out, it is a huge stereotype where you think it's, oh, that cool whiskey girl who, mm. you know, hits that. But, you know, I think there is a certain sort of feminine quality to whiskey as well, really. And what I mean by that is, 
if you look at the kind of story standpoint, you can see kind of the beauty of the ingredients, where it's come from, the heritage of the land, perhaps. It's, I think it does come back to marketing as well, and it's trying to make it universal, really. And it's funny that you touch on like the comparisons between the superheroes before. I mean, that might be a great way to sort of change that a bit by having sort of tasting events that are tailored in this very sort of niche perspective around this target demographic in a way that flips it on its head. I don't know what that would look like, but certainly a pop culture theme thing could be a way forward with that. Mm. It all winds me up about whiskey and movies, Nick. What's that, Dave? Well, it's the... It's the reaction to drinking whiskey. So you've got you've got two different things. You've got the the people who are apparently whiskey drinkers who right. can just seem to not react at all to the spirit hitting their mouth. Like even the most seasoned whiskey drinkers, you'd put a big bit of whiskey in your <coughs> mouth, you're going to pull a f- certain face. Right. Yeah, you know, it, it's a spirit, right? It's it's gonna make you go or do something, and they just. <laughs> Have a big gulp as as if they've just had apple juice. Probably because they've just had apple juice. Uh, <laughs> but it does wind me up. Or you get yeah, there's the extreme of that as well, where where they have these massive shots <laughs> as well in films, and you're like, ah, oh, neck it, and as if as if nothing's happened. <laughs> yeah. like, no, there's no no one can do that. That's why you don't see a Glenn Karen in the film either, do you? You don't Never see tasting see glasses. Karen. It's always in a shot glass or a tumbler. And I was just thinking yeah. about that. That um, that f- there was a fifty-year-old McAllen in in Skyfall. You know the scene where the villain sticks yeah. it on the the girl's head. It's in a shot glass. It's like <laughs> I would have loved to have seen like a tasting glass. That would have been such a more civilized way of doing things. Glenn, Glenn Karen Glass Crystal Company. They need to uh, do some product placement, don't they? They need to be phoning up. James Bond producers and say, next time, can we stick one of our glasses in there, please? Yeah. It would look a lot so more le- well. It would look a lot more legitimate. Yeah. And if he did it like, if they served in a tumbler and he rejected it, and was like, yeah. no, can I get a tasting glass, please? <laughs> or he pulls out his own Glen Carrot. Ah! <laughs> out of his holster. Oh, that would be, yes. <laughs> oh, what a fight that would be. Amazing. <laughs> No, I'm trying to remember whether um, Wolverine kind of reacted. You know, in that scene where Xavier and uh, Magneto come in and try and recruit him. I think it was in first class or something. And he just goes, fuck off. <laughs> but I think he has a whiskey there. But I think, yeah, again, he would have... I'd like to think he would have reacted a bit, you know, even if he could com- totally handle it. Yeah, yeah. so like, funny. I mean, like, Hugh Jackman's expression there, it's like, maybe it was the acting, I don't know, but m- maybe if you think about it in a different way, it depends on how many whiskeys he, he would have had. If it was his mood, he might have just been like, because he's had, he'd had too much of the stuff of the same kind of quality, he might have wanted to s- shift to it. Mm. So, it, again, it's, isn't this interesting? We're having this debate around different characters and we're just taking it off in so many different directions. Absolutely. So is that the kind of conversations you can find on your Drink to That newsletter? Or is that a more near Yamato magazine? Yeah, so Yamato magazine is more on the Japanese tangent of that kind of culture. Drink to That is more of a worldwide perspective of bringing like general whiskey conversations and more pop culture and philosophy in there as well, because the ultimate goal of that is to build a community of people who obviously like a drink, but equally to continue to share thoughtful conversations and later down the line that might become a podcast or sort of a video series in its own right it's 
evolving as we go along and the categories have found that I, I love talking about mostly through that medium at the moment is whiskey, rum, gin, mead and beer. And mm. it's all an experiment really because writing in that sense is fun and to continue to build on my craft. Uh, another example of that is I'm actually bringing out a short story collection later this month called Transmutations. And on that sort of worldwide perspective, I wrote that over the pandemic. And because obviously we were all trapped inside, I thought to myself, hmm, I can't travel anywhere. So where would I love to travel in the world? And what would I do if I was there? So it became that standing mm. point to just, you know, imagine myself where I would be. And then that turned into stories in New Orleans, Poland, America, wherever. and essentially the dominant theme of the collection is some kind of change goes about, you know, the characters are forced to adapt or the forced to confront something that they might not have thought about before. And there is a specific whiskey story called the curse of the entrepreneur set in Edinburgh around a whiskey auction where these businessmen go there every year to kind of outbid each other because it goes back to that prestige thing of the, mm. the maybe the darker side of whiskey where it's all about, oh, look at how much money I've got. But it's centered around two specific sort of a mentor and a mentee figure where without spoiling it, it's essentially an older gentleman who's been very successful at what he has done in the past. And his men mentee, who he brought up through the ranks and who set up his own successful business now. So they've come back together and it's built around this sort of the connective standpoint of whiskey and what they've liked, what they could compare. And it gets quite deep into their relationship. But equally, there's another story that's purely about Japanese sake. It's about telling these stories through drink, food, human nature and combining it all together for like a cocktail of timeless themes i suppose i love that i can't wait for that to come out when's that coming out that will be on the 26th of july fantastic and where can people find that that will be on amazon and my publisher's website called midwestness okay well i'm sure nick's i can see nick frantically writing things down which means it links to that may appear in our show notes if they're there or uh, yes there'll be links guides. to all kinds of things yes yeah you've got many fingers and many pies there's so many links i've got to put at the end of this uh <laughs> You do yeah, a lot of things. Whiskey and pies. Um, <laughs> and I think that's probably a good place to wrap us up. This has been a lot of fun. It's been a really yes. interesting chat. And again, this is the kind of conversation anyone can take on in the pub or get in contact with us or with Jamie, I'm sure, and, uh, and share your opinions on which characters uh, you think drink whiskey and what they might drink. Because uh, I'd love to hear some more as well from, from anyone who might have opinions on such things. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's been really fun to have this debate and to see where, you know, comics and whiskey takes us. That's always great. But yeah. what I will say as well is for people who are looking to, you know, broaden their whiskey categories or maybe if they're just getting onto their whiskey journey, I'd just say be open-minded because you never know what you're going to discover. And as long as you try something, I think that's the heart of it. You can make an informed decision and that's always what I'll recommend to people. You're listening to Whiskey and Things. What a lovely, lovely guy. Isn't he? That was good. Yeah, that was a yeah. lot of fun. It was, it was. Nice to talk about something a bit different, wasn't it? It was. Um, it was really nice. I, I, I love all that kind of alternate thought process between about your favourite characters or whatever, where you can kind of, re, you know, go deeper yourself and create more to the character mm. uh, than perhaps was ever written for them. 
um, and and the conversations that can come up with that. I mean, you could do it with any character in history, couldn't you? Yeah, but no, also definitely. fiction, fictional or non-fictional. Yeah, all the links to the various things Jamie does will be in the description if you want to check them out. And if you've got friends and who maybe aren't into whiskey much, but are into comic books and Japan and stuff, then you know why not forward this podcast on to them? They might find it interesting. They might indeed. Mm. Anyway, Nick, shall we drink some whiskey? Mm. Do that. Got ice cold water at the moment, but yeah, I could do some. Uh, I could do some Fanny's Bay. Oh yeah, mm. excellent. Okay, this week's. Oh, oh my mouth! <laughs> <laughs> what happened there? Just try that, that again, another... shall we? I'm keeping that in. <laughs> what on earth was that? I'm gonna stick some reverb on it and all kinds of things. <laughs> Replay, rewind, Nick. Rewind. <laughs> <laughs> this week's. Whiskey. 122 shows. My voice has never done that in that little gap. That's amazing. It is amazing, yeah. Fanny's Bay. Single malt Tasmanian whiskey. Yeah. Big thanks to Gary, one of our listeners who uh, sent us this sample of this uh, small little bottle, sent it over from Tasmania. Massive thanks for that, Gary. Yeah, thank Um, you very much. It's interesting. I love the the bottle looks like an aftershave. It does, doesn't it? Because it it, it, what size is it? What is it? Thirty cl or a bit more bigger than that? Uh, One hundred mil. Hundred mil. Yeah. So it's, as it says on here, five standard drinks. It says Lovely. on the bottle here. Um, yeah, Fanny's Bay, everyone, Tasmania. We um, we've done the throwback to episode before. one where we didn't even know what Tasmanian whiskey existed. <sighs> yeah, and I knew all about it back then, as we all knew. You know, I knew all about Tasmanian whiskey. Um, we have done a Tasmanian. We did a rye back in episode 60, um, we May of last year, everyone. We did the That Boutique bottling um, example from Belgrove Distillery. Um, we had Dave Worthington and Sam Simmons on that show. It's a great show. If you want to go back and oh, listen to it. It was one of my favourite shows we've ever done. I love yeah. that show. Yeah, that's a really good one. So if you, if you want to listen to some old stuff. Episode 60, everyone. Absolutely. You can hear a very youthful version of us yeah, a year I think, a year ago. Nick, I don't know if you saw the stats this week, but someone had a good old binge in Spain. Did you see that? Was that Spain? Well, I, I saw I saw the peak. A peak was we haven't had a peak like that since we were big in China. I know. <laughs> and I looked on the location, and Spain was. I was like, Spain. Someone must be on holiday there or something, and decided just done a whole binge. I'm going to listen to every episode whilst I'm on my holiday. So if that was you. We hope you enjoyed your holiday. Yes. If you live in Spain and you found us, welcome to the party. Anyway, <laughs> this whiskey, go. mate. So it's interesting it says five uh, five standard drinks on the front because it's 60%. So it could stretch to a few more than that. You could stretch this out. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to pour some aftershave. Um, yeah. Yeah, it is a 60 uh, What, what do we here? know about Fanny's Bay then, Nick? Fanny's Bay. I think they started in 2014, I believe. That's when they put the first whiskey into uh, into barrels, as it were. It's kind of like Tasmanians. They just, they're very resourceful. It's like, this was founded by Matthew and Julie Cooper. Coops, uh, there it is. <laughs> You're welcome. Worth the wait. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, Matthew is a diesel mechanic, or was, maybe he does this yeah. for a living. Yeah, and Jules is a hairdresser, and they decided oh, yeah. to start their own distillery. And again, they're resourceful, these Tasmanians. Matthew built the still himself, you know. Amazing. I think built everything else. So it's on the north coast of Tasmania. Um, is actually on a bay called Fanny's Bay. 
everyone. That's uh, exactly in, what it says in yeah, the aftershave bottle. In a town called Lulworth. Yes. It's interesting where they get the name Fanny Bay. It's actually to do with a ship. Here we uh, go. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, this is from their their website. Whiskey making to Matthew was about as familiar as the nearby coastline was to the captain of Fanny. A small sailing ship that blew <laughs> onto the docks in 1844. Brilliant. A, sec- a secluded cove nearby named after the doomed vessel and fitting namesake for the distillery that has weathered uncharted waters. So, doomed yes. vessel, eh? Doomed vessel. <laughs> yes. It's pretty cool. Yes. Um, have, you had a, have you had a sniff of this? Have you, sorry, have you, got anything, have you got anything else you want to say about this? Um, not really. Again, it's like a family business. Um, I love that. Jules, she's quite a creative director um, and she makes the labels and writes, it's all handwritten on the labels. Oh, and stuff. nice. Um, which is cool. They, yeah, they do the 50 mil bottles as well. Um, this is the 100 mil. Is it 50 mil? Yeah, 50 CLs, sorry. There we go. And uh, yeah, so this is a it's non-aged statement. I think it's aged between 24 and 30 months. Again, it's hot down there and they use really small casks. Um, so yes, this is 60% ABV. They mature in French oak a lot. They do a lot with bourbon barrels. Um, they do a port barrels as well um, this one we've got here is the bourbon and sherry I think a sherry finish so probably most of the maturation is in bourbon with a sherry finish on the top and uh, yeah barrel number 25 so it's single barrel again so Lovely. it's all yeah it's all very small batch stuff um, if you go to our website link will be in the description you'll see all the stuff there it's just kind of cool it's just a really small small outfit can we can and, we get that imported over here or is it just because we've had a friend send it some did it say I couldn't find it on any of the right. uh or the big, the big stores, as it were. So yeah, we're very lucky to have this. So thank you. Um, Cheers, Gary. So yeah, it's hundred percent malted barley. We have yeah the the Belgrove we had in episode whenever it was May last year um, was a rye. So this is our first single malt from the island. Yeah. Let's have a look. Yes, mate, it smells wonderful. It's so big and fruity. Yeah, um, I mean you, obviously it's sixty oh, yeah. percent. So you've got. You've got to have a couple of sniffs before you get past some of the ethanol, especially because it is a little bit of a younger spirit. It is very much there, the, the ethanol on the nose, that is. But once you get past that, it's a uh, big fruity flavour. I'm guessing that's the sherry finish. Oh, here we go. There we go. Uh, yes. Um, sorry, I'm reading my notes again. Talking about the bottle, it's a distinctive French bottle, um, which is why it's square. They have a thing about not being round. They like square things. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. nice. And, the, and the, the big bottle has a fine cork hailing from Portugal. So it does have a proper... So it's been around. Yeah. So it's a long way for a cork to go, isn't it? Yeah. Big time. Big time. Yeah. I, I'm loving the smell of this. I could smell yeah. this all day long. For days, mate. Days. Candle? Yes, please. Uh, and and if I had a little sip of this earlier, Nick. I'm not going to lie. When we were doing oh, the interview Did you have some Dave special time? Well, just now. Just when we were doing the interview. Uh, yeah. It's a big flavour. Ooh, I feel like I feel Ooh. like we've had something similar to this before, um, <coughs> and I can't remember what it was. Wow! I think I think it was one of the maybe. Does it remind me of the wheat whiskey we had, the the East London one? East London. I think it does remind me of that. Well, there's only one way to find out. I've got a bottle of it here, David. Yeah. So, have you got it there? No, you're I don't. Square. No, I'm afraid not. Oh, I love this top. Oh dear. Hear that? Oh, just, just oh, come on. I admire what they're doing with the new bottles, but this bottle is amazing. We've talked about it a million times. Oh, that's a big breath. Oh dear, that's a big <laughs> That's more than I want to drink today. Stay hydrated. Yeah, it's hot outside. 
I'm just going to go, no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, oh, I see what you mean. The, um, the East London is a lot fruitier, but that kind of um, refreshes fruit, that kind right. of candy refresher thing, especially on the nose. Now taste it. It was more the taste than the smell that made me think I may, I may have it wrong. I definitely had this kind of flavour profile before. I see what you mean. Um, I think it's something else we had, though. Uh, right. they, are, they are quite similar, but yeah, it, it is that kind of big fruity flavour. I was wondering... This is my kind of whiskey. I love this. For me, it, I don't know, it's a bit more like a, a nicer Langaton, actually. It's got the essence oh, of Langaton, but it's oh, nicer. Are you getting that Chardonnay-ness? Um, no, it's a subtle Chardonnay-ness. <laughs> um, Even though there's, there's no Chardonnay involved. <laughs> no, I don't know what it is. But uh, again, we've never really worked out. I'm terrible at this, everyone. So it's um, funny though. There is a there is a kind of sparkling wine element to the flavour, isn't there? I'm definitely getting that fruitiness. Yeah. Oh man, this is nice. This is really nice. It this is, is very strong. Nice. It is, and, I'm uh, going to drop a bit of water. Actually, I'm going to pour a little bit more because I do want to calm it down a bit. I am very much enjoying. I love this kind of intensity in my mouth. So for me, this is right it's up my street. Huge, isn't it? Yeah. Th- this is exactly what I like in a whiskey. Um. It's an experience, and that's what oh, I absolutely, like about it. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's, there's there's all kinds like peach yogurts, all kinds. It's all kind of things coming out every every little sip. I'm having getting more and more flavour. Yeah, um, yeah, big fan, big fan. Yes. Should we talk uh, money? Yeah, go on then. How much? It, it obviously on their website. That's all we've got access to, I believe, in terms of yeah. where you can purchase this. Yes, uh, what yes, we're talking yes. about for fifty CL, so half a liter, right? So how, how much is that going to be? Fifty what? CL, uh, two hundred eighty-five dollars. That's around one hundred sixty-three, pounds. One hundred sixty. One hundred sixty. Very, very much. Uh, but these ten CLs are seventy-five dollars, which is about forty-three quid. Hmm, that's a lot of money. But I actually think this is one of those whiskies that justifies that flavour. Justifies that price with the amount of flavour, the fact it's an experience. This is what I want if I spend that much money on whiskey. Does that make sense? You want the experience? You want I the want story. the experience. Absolutely. Okay. I watched a little video of the, the couple who make it. It's just, th- it's like three of them. It's like, it's yeah. Matthew, his wife, and another girl called Audrey or something, which is the dog's body, apparently. But I yeah, love it's, that. it's literally three of them. It's the story. It's a the small hand- town by the beach. Yeah, the handmade labels, all that kind of stuff. It's yeah, it deserves it deserves a price. Yeah, it's all again, really small batch. Everything's done like yeah, uh, you know, really small barrels and stuff as well. So um, you said this is cask five. Even within that, it's not like there's going to be three hundred bottles from that cask, is there? Because it's a cask. small cask. Yeah, barrel twenty five. I think they've got about one hundred and sixty out of each. Was it less than that? I'm trying to think. I'm, I was looking earlier on, but. Uh, trying to zoom in on things because there's not a lot of information on each individual whiskey itself. They kind of give you a broad kind of, um, you know, outline of everything. Um, Yeah, it was 2014 they started distilling. Yeah, so yeah, I think a few years. Um, But yeah. Oh, what we got here? Nice, a bit more here. Um, They use a selection of bourbon, port, sherry, Shiraz and Pinot barrels. Hmm. Yeah, I love the photo of the three of them on the website as well, standing around the table. Just uh, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted these guys to look, look like. <laughs> you, uh, you know what? I'm I, I'm I've absolutely bought into this. This is such a great thing. I want to now go and visit. Yeah, this looks amazing. Oh, you can get a Fanny Fanny's Bay gift 
card. Is that a, uh, a plane ticket to Tasmania? <laughs> if only. If only. I have a feeling that you won't be able to order this in this country. <clears throat> I doubt it as well. Yeah. I- I'm going on the shop to find out. It says free shipping to um, anywhere in Australia. But we're not in Australia. Yeah, looks like it can only go to Australia. That's a shame. Uh, never mind, never mind. We've been very lucky to have it, and it's a reason to go to Australia, yeah, just for this whiskey. Got to say, a bit of water in it, opens it up. It's oh, yeah. Has, yeah, it has a pe- like a black pepper to oh. it on the back, on the back end. Once you take, you know, you calm it down a bit. Um, Again, it's Makes it even more taste. value for money then, doesn't it? Yeah, if you, you can calm get it down diff- a bit. Yeah, get a few more out of it. It is 60, it's a, it's a whopper. It's a whopper, but it's still really creamy. That's what I'm liking about it. It's actually got really nice creamy mouthfeel. Yeah. And what's cool yeah. as well, you can pack it and people yeah. think it's it's aftershave. Yeah. They won't think you're a massive alcoholic. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? I might start putting some, when I finished it, I'd put some more whiskey in it and just carry it around. Absolutely. 100 mils? Well, you can take that on the plane. Cheers. Ah, oh. <laughs> oh, there we go. This is my new favourite bottle. Hand luggage whiskey. Hand luggage whiskey. There it is. Mate. Fanny's Bay, you've nailed it. The hand luggage whiskey. What's uh, is, is there a lot of information on the packaging, Nick? On the packaging, what do we have? We have on the back uh, the address of the distillery. Nice little kind of watercolour painting thing there. Um, no, it just has Fanny's Bay, single malt Tasmanian whiskey. Barrel number 25. Uh, the barrel type, bourbon and sherry finish. The ABV of 60 and standard drinks 5. So it tells you how many, how many drinks you have back. You're bound to get out of it. I'm looking at a full bottle of, or the full 50cl uh, picture, and they get um, 156 bottles out of one of the casks. The one I'm looking at is the right. sherry cask. But again, like cask number 100, 120, that, that's probably going to differ from all the other ones. That's a 63% as well. But uh, yeah, that's got a proper big chunky cork in it too, which we like. But this has got a little screw top because uh, it's small and it's, you know, perfect for an aftershave. Super long finish as well. Yeah, for days. For days, mm. man. Cool. Okay. Should we give it a bit of a score? Anything else you want to talk about? Nah, well, no. I just think let's get scoring it. Score. You're listening to Whiskey and Things with Nick Kent and Dave Giles. Well then, well then, well then. A big fat round 80% is our combined score. I gave it 85.71. Nick gave it 74.29. Yes. I think I just marked it. Well, I didn't mark it up. I just, uh, for me, the the alcohol level was just a bit bit pokey. I needed a bit of water in there. But then, you know, that's not really a down down marking. It's just uh, just down to taste, really. Is what it is. Is what it is. Is what it is. Yeah. Uh, well, so where it's does still that go in the league? Score, isn't it? Because it puts us in fourth, mate. Oh, wow. American Oak, 90%. Maker's Mark, 46, 85.71. East London Liquor Company, London Wheat, 84.29. Then this. No, everything else is uh, below 80%. So well done, uh, Matthew and Jules. Yeah, great um, job. Yeah, you've made a nice whiskey. And uh, we feel very privileged to uh, to have some. Yeah, yeah, thanks again to Gary for sending it over. We massively appreciate that, Gary. Yeah, so it yeah. took a while to get around to it. Yeah, but, uh, it has taken us a while. You, you sent it a while back. Um, but yeah we, we definitely wanted to get this one done and we've done it done it tick the box so, tick the box anyway uh, I very happily tick the box as well 
So, Nick, have you got any, any other business? I don't think so. I didn't come up with anything. Have you got any other business, Dave? I do, mate, right? So, um, we, we mentioned I this a few times today, it. right? You said that when you went for your run, you stopped and you had a, got yourself a, a bottle of water, right? Yeah. Um, and you mentioned about staying hydrated a couple of times. You had your glass of water with ice. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah right. Well, where's this going? So, I've been looking it up. I happened to be out last week, uh, out and about when it was hot, just being yeah. a tourist. Oh yeah, and we were we were talking about what drink is the most hydrating, mm-hmm. and I found a study. Well, Lucy found a study from uh, Loughborough University Sports Science Department. Is this about electrolytes? No, uh, oh. and they they created <laughs> no. they they did a study on thirteen different types of drink. Yeah, and have done a beverage hydration index. Wow. Where okay. one is still water. Right. Always the right. best, the king, the original. Right. Well, you would think so, right? You would think that water oh, one is be, water. I thought one, you meant number in, one is water. Uh, no, as in, as in, like, the index moves around from one. So you're either above one or below one on the index. Uh, I guess, Your yeah. score, you know, so the one, benchmark is, you know, they, they did the study, they got the, the hydration level of water, and that was one. One is your control. That is, yes, absolutely, still water, right? So sparkling water is about the same, a little bit less. So that's below it. Mm. Right, so of the 13 drinks, here are the the 13 drinks in no particular order. I'm going to spout them out in different things, right? Diet cola, cold tea, cola, obviously. Cola and diet cola. Um, Cold tea and hot tea. Uh, Oral rehydration solution. Skimmed milk and hold milk. Uh, Mm. Coffee, sports drink, Sparkling water, lager, and orange juice. Okay. How many of them were above still water in hydration? How many below? Oh, not many above, I reckon. I wouldn't say milk was up there. That'd be below. I think orange juice would be below. Um, The Cokes, or the Colas, sorry, would be below. I I don't reckon many. I don't even think lager's not, is it? Even though it feels like it sometimes. Um, I reckon none, mate. I reckon water... Is the one. All right, so this is based on apparently after two hours. I'd say tea uh, would actually. Uh, tea might be up there. Maybe not above, but around. Interesting. The, you know. So there, there's a few that hover very close to one. Tea being one, which mm. is just above still water. Really? Despite the fact they always say the caffeinated drinks dehydrate you. Right. I, I didn't know they... Because, they because they're essentially because they're a diuretic. So... Uh, if you have large quantities, that may be the case. But in terms of just having a glass of or the same amount of liquid, that would actually hydrate you more than water. Just a little bit. So Lipton iced tea in the sun is like maybe the best thing so you can So cold, cold tea is a little bit more. So it's actually above still water, but a little bit more hydrating. So yes, oh. it is better for you. Then Lipton's iced tea would be better for you hydration-wise than still water. That's uh, interesting. Below still water, you've got sparkling water, just slightly below. Mm-hmm. Sports drink, which I'm guessing is like Lucozade, um, is actually below. Obviously, it's full of electrolytes. So there's other good things that you might need to replace when yeah. you win, and, and so on and so forth. But so it's we're talking Lucozade. Uh, I don't know if uh, Gatorade would be a big one. Quite possibly, quite yeah. possibly. Below that is lager, but not as that far. Not actually that far below. It's it's, it's in the margin of error, really. Right. Uh, and below that is coffee. So that's okay. and they're the only four that are below. So above still water, you've got tea marginally above, cold tea a little bit above. Above that, diet cola, and then no. cola, 
And then actually, when you start getting to really decent hydration levels, orange juice, whole milk, skimmed milk, and right at the top, which is the obvious one, is the oral rehydration solution, which is those powder sachets you buy to rehydrate yourself, right? If you're going uh, on a hike or something, you put them in your bag just in case. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, Yeah, that stuff. That's fascinating. Skimmed milk. And it, it made me think of that scene in Anchorman. Yeah. Talk- milk was a bad choice. <laughs> milk was a bad choice. <laughs> Apparently no, not. No, Will Ferrell. Milk was a good choice. <laughs> wow. Uh, so yeah, this is, this is a, this is a Loughborough University uh, sports science department study. So I just thought it was interesting from 2016, I think. Um, yeah. I thought it was interesting to that share when everyone's talking about staying hydrated and there was a I was listening to the radio and this is how it came up because on the radio the the, the lady uh, they had a doctor on talking about oh yeah the, the red emergency what you shouldn't do is oh yeah, obviously everyone's saying it's beer garden weather but you know mm. if you drink too much alcohol it, it dehydrates you well apparently not that much <laughs> according to this study yeah, but obviously was in, in there, large right? quantities quite no annoying I wish I wish the study was more than 13 drinks and I wish mm. uh I wish there was a little bit more information on this graphic I've got. But, yeah, according to the Oral Hydration Index, is that what it's called? Hang on, uh, forgot. <laughs> close, close the image, so forgot. According to the yeah. Beverage Hydration Index. Oh, look at that. Yes, the, the higher the value, the better fluid is retained in the body. And, the old uh, BHI. Yeah, the BHI. That's what they call it, the BHI. An mm. oral hydration solution is at 1.5, so almost... A whole fifty percent better. Wow, and, uh, that's a lot. Okay, uh, the mortar and skim milk is way up there as well. One point, one point four. Well, there we go, everyone. Skimmed milk. So if you like, put skim, oh, skim milk. Oh, skim no. milk, and below that is whole milk. Quite, quite a drop to whole milk. About one point three. I'm a semi-skim man, so you know, I'm in between. So, yeah. Well, that's not on the study, annoyingly, but it probably exists in between, doesn't it? Space between. Yes. Anyway. A little yeah. bit, <laughs> nice, nice. When Nick starts singing, it's time to move on. Yes. Uh, well, I think that's that's a good any other business for today. I hope that's you, a great any other business. I, I hope you agreed. I did. Thank uh, you. In Thanks what it's it. been a great episode in my mind. Great it interview. Has. Great whiskey. Great any other business. Let's hit it and quit it. Angels have had their share, mate. Oh yeah, I've, I've, we've had ours of guests and internationality. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, cheers, everyone. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming. coming. Whiskey and Things has been brought to you by And Things Productions.